0: Verified Rx, your prescription for success. Brought
1: to you by the Vizian Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. Vizian Pharmacy Vision Awards celebrate the values and achievements of our pharmacy members. With me today are three winners of the 2022 Excellence in Public Policy Award, Jacqueline Blake and Drs. Leanne Miller and Marjorie Lazar, all from Yale New Haven Health. I'm Gretchen Brummel, Pharmacy Executive Director in the Vizian Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence and your program host. Welcome to the podcast and congratulations on this award. Thank
0: you so much. We're very excited to be here. Thank you. Tell me about your roles at Yale New Haven Health. Sure, well, I guess I'll start. I am the Vice President and Chief Pharmacy Officer at Yale New Haven Health, and I oversee the strategic growth of the pharmacy as well as the direction of our program for all services across our five hospitals as well as our ambulatory practice sites.
1: Thank you, Leanne. Jackie?
2: I've been with the organization for 18 years, and I'm a senior government relations officer on behalf of the health system. I am also a registered lobbyist, which means that I spend a lot of my time on advocacy. In my department, we
3: do local, state, and federal. It keeps us very busy.
1: Thank you for that, Jackie. And how
3: about you, Marjorie? I'm Marjorie Lazar. I've had the pleasure of working with both Leanne and Jackie for nearly two decades now. I am the Associate Chief Pharmacy Officer for Yale New Haven Health and honored to really serve our pharmacists and technicians throughout the system, focused really on innovation that supports patient care and elevating the practice of pharmacy.
1: Well, I appreciate you all sharing your roles and your backgrounds. You won this award for your public policy work around pharmacy
2: practice. Tell me why advocacy is so important. Advocacy is definitely important and needed because this is the way we educate our decision makers. We educate them about the impact that the public policy decisions that they're making can have on their constituents who are often patients. It's good to help them understand how something positively or negatively affects them and
0: then others throughout the state of Connecticut.
1: And Leanne, what do you have to add to that?
0: I couldn't agree more. Education and awareness is a big part of it the reason why I went into healthcare was to ensure that my patients were receiving quality care. And that's what advocacy is about, is understanding the rules and regulations that we have to live by and how that affects the way we are able to deliver care or direct care or provide access to that care. When I first went into pharmacy school, I didn't think about it like that at all. Having the experience and broader knowledge of the impact of these regulations, it really hit me hard that, hey, that's all of our jobs, and who better to advocate than those who are delivering the care and really understand how to improve outcomes for patients.
1: Well, in pharmacy, there's a lot of competition for our time and attention. Knowing that, how can we justify focusing on this type of activity?
0: One of
3: the biggest priorities is prioritizing all of the things that we have ahead of us with the evolution of healthcare and specifically the disruption in pharmacy. Advocacy is one of those tools that we as an organization and certainly as a profession need to focus on. The largest portion of diversification and disruption in this arena can be settled by having statutes, guidelines, and laws that support our practice.
1: Well, and as Leanne mentioned, it does impact our day to day. So it really needs to be a priority for us moving forward. It might
0: be a simple way of thinking about it, but it really can make or break how you operate your practice, whether it be in a very small individual practitioner and how they practice or a very large health system like ours. It's so critical to help educate our legislators what this means how it'll impact access or care of our patients, and how we practice specifically in pharmacy. It has to be prioritized. We have a ton of stuff going on. We have many things that are coming our way. This has to be at the top of the list because it's either going to make it easier or it's going to create enormous barriers or even prevent what you want to do all together.
2: I agree with you, Leanne and Marjorie. When we think about our patients, they are the reasons why we come to work. We are a patient-centered organization and we want to make sure that we always have the best outcomes for our patients. And that includes making sure that we are advocating for laws that are favorable to our organization so that we can provide the care that we need to our patients.
1: I really love the fact that you brought that back to the patient who is really at the center of all that we do. That's really a fantastic tie-in. So for someone who hasn't participated directly in advocacy before, how can they get started?
2: You have to identify an issue. And oftentimes folks in our pharmacy department will identify an issue that they have a need to get changed. We will look at that issue. Then we look for partners, people who can support us. The best thing to do is we identify the issue and then we try to look for like-minded
0: people on board. A really good example is the scope of practice law for pharmacists that we got changed and actually why we won the award. In Connecticut, we broadened the collaborative drug therapy management practice that allowed us to take care of populations of patients. And this came up during the height of COVID when we had a critical nursing shortage and we had a significant number of patients who needed monoclonal antibody therapy. And our biggest hurdle was being able to staff our infusion centers with nurses. I had called up Jackie and I said, we really need to get this law changed like tomorrow. How do we do that? It was such a burning platform. She's like, yeah, let's call up DCP right now and educate them, make them aware of this issue. We went from there and partnered with multiple different organizations.
1: So you saw that need and you moved on it. And I'm also hearing that it's important to get away from that concept of we've always done it this way and think about breaking out of that when looking to impact change. That's really inspiring.
2: The pharmacy department has been a great partner with our government relations department. We work very closely together. Each year, there is a new issue. There is something that we'd like to advance. And I'd have to say that this legislative session was a very fruitful year for pharmacy. We were able to get some measures passed. And also in previous years, we were able to get other measures passed that were very beneficial to the pharmacy department. It is a collaborative effort. We work very well together. It's about expanding your mind, really, about the possibilities of what can be done. And then again, identifying the right partners to help us get over the goal line.
3: We started off with just talking and thinking through issues that impact our practice, impact our patients, how we support them. And over the past five years, we have made a concerted effort to look at our collaboration more strategically. At the beginning of the year, what are the issues historically that we think we can affect change? And some of them are going to take a decade or more. But realizing and planning for that, strategically thinking through what relationships need to be created beyond our four walls, beyond our system, whether it's with those legislators or other local departments of health, departments of consumer protection are also pivotal. The planning and collaboration tied with strategic thinking through those priorities have made us quite successful and something that we look back on every year. We really are grateful to have a concerted team that's like-minded and really looking to improve the care we provide. Well,
1: it's really wonderful to hear about your collaborative model at your organization and your proactive approach to really having that strategic plan looking even 10 years forward is something that others can definitely learn from and can be inspiring to our listeners. How have you seen the approach to advocacy change over your careers?
3: As part of the junior member of the team, I really looked to Jackie, Leanne and others throughout the health system to learn how do you consolidate your message, the need, so that it's meaningfully delivered and concisely delivered. That took some time, frankly, and I'm very passionate about what I do. And so I wanted them to know the whole story from soup to nuts. And in some instances, I was jumping into advocacy in the middle of the story. And so it's really important to paint from beginning to end so that people have a clear picture of what are you advocating for and what is the problem that you're trying to solve, how we can then solve for it through either legislation or otherwise became very clear. I don't know that I've mastered it still, but
0: I'm certainly getting closer. She's doing phenomenal I'm learning this process, so it is great to have a partner in government relations to guide you through it. What I've seen over the years is perhaps because there's so many critical issues related to pharmacy practice, medications, pricing, drug shortages, access. 340B program, the list could go on and on, provider status. There are many, 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 and that's why we have a very long list that we send to Jackie every year and strategically plan around that. But I've seen more of our organizations get together to try to align on the message. So Marjorie's point there is you've got to have a very clean, crisp, concise and understandable message. And we have to be aligned. We have many groups in pharmacy that may have an interest in whatever particular legislation that we are working on. The more we can align together as a group, as a profession, as organizations, the better. I have seen more pharmacy leaders in this space, which is fantastic. And also just thinking about partnering with Jackie, because we have such a, long list, as we develop business plans, we are building in resource and funding to expand that. So Jackie can have some friends that she can call on to support us. It's really critical. We rely on government relations so heavily that it's incumbent on us to make sure that we're helping to support their growth too
2: what has changed over the years is that we have learned how to be more intentional around our message or messages. It's very critical to make sure that you have a concise, crisp message. One of the things that can ruin a good piece of advocacy is to be overdone, to the point where you become stale and no one's no longer listening. So you have to make sure that you're strategic about when you say strike, You have to be intentional about how you utilize your message. You have to be intentional about your subject matter experts. So Marjorie and Leanne and many others throughout our organization are subject matter experts for me. If we have a piece of legislation that we are trying to advance during the legislative session, I am going to need someone who can really quickly give an elevator speech to a legislator about what we're trying to do. We're going to need somebody who's going to testify at a public hearing when necessary and deliver that message in a clear, concise way. We're also going to need a subject matter expert who I can call at any minute. I can send you a text and say, I need an answer for X, Y, Z, or I need you to talk to a legislator. And I rely on Marjorie, Leanne, and others throughout the organization to be able to do that. We've become more intentional about how we operate and how we deliver our message.
1: The concept of staleness is an interesting one to me because we've all been involved in projects where everyone's excited at the beginning. You have a lot of energy and momentum and then we just see them fizzle out and you say, oh, well, you know, what's going on with such and such project? And if you don't have that intentionality up front with the plan and the metrics and the milestones and who's going to do what when, that's when you end up seeing the failure. So it's exciting to hear how that's progressed for you.
2: Right. Just to give you an example, we have a grassroots tool that we utilize. It's called Voter Voice we have over 30,000 employees throughout our organization. Sometimes there's a piece of legislation that is so egregious, that is so bad that we may need some help from our employees. Sometimes it's a great piece of legislation and we want them to help us get that legislation passed. However, we are very intentional about how we utilize that tool. If you use it too much, it is no longer effective. So we only pull it out when it is Absolutely necessary. We have our employees contact their legislators and say, this piece of legislation is not only important to my organization, but it's also important to me. We keep that tool in our toolbox and we only pull it out when we need it. And that segues
1: nicely into my next question, which is what are some of the real world wins or examples of successes
2: that you've seen with some of your approaches? On CDTM, the collaborative drug therapy management law that we got passed last year, I believe. In previous years, we've passed a bill on telepharmacy where you have a pharmacist that can supervise a pharmacy tech from a remote location while they do say an admixture or they fill a prescription. Now I have to say that that was also another bill that we were able to win an award for because it was cutting edge at
0: the time. And I believe this was probably about what, what, maybe seven or so years ago. We won an ASHP Medication Safety Award for that. Oh, congratulations. But it allowed us to bring care to the patient. So these were patients who needed cancer care and needed to get often chemotherapy infusions. And if we weren't able to pass this law, they would have had to travel upwards of two hours to come to the main academic campus to get their infusion. It wasn't worth if we had five or six of these sort of remote locations to put a pharmacist in each one of these for a fairly low volume. So we really were able to have maybe one pharmacist oversee three or four practices with the technicians making it there on site. So really improved patient access is a really great example of why advocacy is so important. One other that just passed this year that I'm very excited about and we are partnering with our physician partners at Yale Medicine is the mobile pharmacy, which I'm not sure how many states have it, but Connecticut, we were not able to have a pharmacy that moved that was on wheels and now again as a way to improve access to our most vulnerable populations who may not have the ability to come to a pharmacy to get prescriptions or come to a physician's office to get care. Maybe they're homeless. This really is a mobile unit that will have a mobile pharmacy on that unit and allow us to come to the patient, which I'm really, really excited about. Jackie, do you know if there are states that have this? There's one other state, California, I believe, and the
2: Connecticut law was modeled after the California law.
1: I can see that being useful in vaccine administration, disaster response, possibly even opioid use disorder. So a lot of potential applications there. Fantastic.
3: Marjorie, did you have something else to add? Part of that strategy was to make sure that we're focused on changing something every year. Four years ago, we were able to change a law that really affected how we operationalized remote pharmacy locations. And so when we had partners within our health system geographically located to maybe one of our other partners, we were able to collaborate more closely with that local regional pharmacy rather than creating a whole new pharmacy footprint. Using health system consulting support, we're able to serve patients wherever they may be. And that allows them to stay within their community, improve safety and the ability for patients to be seen quickly. They don't have to wait for doses coming from another location. We could use the pharmacy closest to them. You'll see the common theme here is how we deliver care to support patient outcomes, to support patient experience. We're really committed to making sure we're looking at how we can effectively improve our process so that we can effectively impact the patient positively.
1: So definitely leveraging those partnerships to improve patient satisfaction and the patient experience. Who else have you partnered with to propel your messages forward?
3: We lean in again on trying to make sure that we're aligned. And so pharmacy is always such a small world. We are a small state. And so we really want to make sure that those closest to this work are aligned and other health systems and other community centers and other federally qualified health centers. We don't want what we're proposing to impair in any way the practice of others within healthcare. And so we've been quite intentional about getting introduced to others within the trade to make sure that we have a comprehensive and holistic approach to our recommendation. I've had the opportunity to meet with other health systems and other partners within healthcare, like our FQHC partners specifically, to make sure that what we're proposing resonates as well with them and for their patients.
2: You're correct, Marjorie. A lot of those are the same people who I would identify. Usually when we identify an issue that we want to get past, one of the first things that we tend to do is to check in with our regulatory body, DCP, the Department of Consumer Protection, the Drug Control Division. So it's very important that we early on get their ideas just to determine if what we're thinking is even possible. And once you get that hurdle, then you look for other partners. You look for other hospitals who may be impacted by whatever it is that you're trying to do, other pharmacy associations. We also oftentimes bring in the Connecticut Hospital Association because they help lobby on our behalf as well. We also make sure that we are talking with the leaders of a certain legislative committee. A lot of our bills go through The General Law Committee, we are always talking with the chairs of the General Law Committee, both the House chair and the Senate chair, and also other key members of the committee. We also want to make sure that we're talking with the House and Senate leaders, because now if we are working on a piece of legislation and we talk to everyone else, but we did not talk to the leaders in the House and the Senate who could potentially call your bill for a vote, then you have a problem. There are a lot of people throughout the process who we have to partner with, and we try to make sure that we are cognizant of that and that we are actually doing that.
0: We're fortunate to have leaders at Yale New Haven Health who lead our pharmacy association, our local chapters. So ASHP, we have CSHP here and APHA, we have CPA and both presidents are from Yale New Haven Health. There's a lot of interest, which is great within our health system, within our enterprise of the pharmacy. So it certainly helps when we need to connect and have a certain mission to move forward. Having CHA and the large health systems within Connecticut get aligned, often that's very helpful. I'll go back to the CDTM example. It was really important to have physicians who supported this because That legislation allowed us to be physician extenders. The legislators hearing from physicians to say this is really going to improve access, they're totally supportive of it, certainly helped move that
1: forward. Yeah, Lots of great minds working on these problems, and I'm hearing consistent themes from you all in terms of alignment and getting consistent with the messaging up front. That makes a lot of sense to me. So it's obvious that you all have been very successful in this process. What are some of the things
2: that folks should watch out for as they move through their advocacy journey? Losing momentum, that can be detrimental to what you're trying to do. So losing momentum, lack of support for your issue. You thought you had certain partners, people who were going to support you at the start of a legislative session, only to find out during the middle of the legislative session that you've lost support for your issue. One of the things that we normally consider the kiss of death to a piece of legislation in my world is having your bill or your piece of legislation weighed down by really bad amendments and or fiscal note. So normally each bill needs to be analyzed to make sure that there is no significant cost to the state of Connecticut. So the fastest way to kill a bill is to make sure that it has a very large fiscal note attached to it. That is the kiss of death. Also, running out of time. The worst thing is the last day of the legislative session, you are waiting for your bill to be called. And the session ends at midnight and it is 1130 and you're watching the clock. It's now 1140. It is like 10 of. And it is five bob, and your bill still hasn't been called. You've run out of time. And so you have to start all over again the next legislative session. So it all comes back
0: to the planning. Definitely. That's probably a fairly common scenario. You really have to understand what's important to these stakeholders. I think sometimes it's hard to get in front of the message and you tell your story first Because sometimes the person who tells it first, that's what they go with. And now they're informed or maybe misinformed on a different perspective that really is not representative of what health systems are trying to do. Understanding the players, getting your message out clearly and early is part of the strategy too.
1: So getting out in front of it so that you're the one setting the narrative. That's right. Exactly. So our frontline pharmacy staff are really pivotal to the future of the profession. What
0: advice do you have for them around advocacy? First and foremost, what are you passionate about? Learn everything you can about that. Be informed and then realize how important it is to inform others who are making decisions on (laughs) laws that, again, can affect you. But go with your passion. That is where you're going to make the biggest impact. People will listen to you and you're closest to it. You're the professional providing care to these patients. Who best to give this message and educate our legislators?
3: I really was very intimidated personally by the process. Getting the support of your local trade association or national trade association has helped me normalize. It's appropriate for you to reach out, write a letter to your congressman or woman. That should be part of your voice and how you get your message out. And so I've now joined the legislative committee for CSHP and That has helped me also identify up and coming residents, students, this should be part of their normal bread and butter day that they can reach out and have their voice heard in this way. So I would recommend for everyone to start there. So many organizations, specifically our trade organizations, have divisions that focus on this and help educate and normalize these processes. Don't be afraid to get
2: involved. It may be intimidating at first, but it just need that you just need to take that one little first step. No one understands your work better than you. You are the subject matter expert. And being a subject matter expert, you get to educate lawmakers about some of these decisions that they're making. A lot of times they want to be educated. They understand that they cannot make decisions in a vacuum and that they need to hear from their constituents. They also need to hear from experts in the field. By getting involved in the process, You are an expert. It is very important. And I would say just take the first step.
1: Great advice from all three of you. Thank you so much for that. So what are your future plans?
0: I know Jackie and I actually had a conversation a few weeks ago, fairly short because it was active legislative session. So I know she's running around crazy and doing fantastic work. Really coming up with a strategy on our network. Who are we meeting with? Around which issues? How are we prioritizing? Because there are just so many. What are the most important right now? Not just to pharmacy, but our health system and healthcare in general. Prioritize that and then start making the list of stakeholders and developing that message, the network, really to understand how do we do this? What's the best way to accomplish that?
1: Well, it sounds like the future is bright at Yale New Haven Health and in Connecticut. So Leanne, Jacqueline, and Marjorie, congratulations again for your award. And thank you so much for joining us today to share your thoughts and insights. It's been wonderful talking with you today. And listeners, please join us for more Verified Rx podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Verified Rx is your prescription for success and is brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. I'm Gretchen Brummel, thanks for listening.